Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff! We have a liftoff! Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's the Welcome A. inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, the show about the show, the show within the show. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, remember that the DA Show's PGP, the podcast, is available on the DA Show podcast feed. So if you like to listen to things on demand on your own time, you can listen to the show and the PGP on the same feed, or the Permission Granted podcast has its own podcast feed. Just search Permission Granted. If you listen to the show, say live, and then want to listen to the PGP in your podcast forms. Just search it on Permission Granted or PGP, rate and review it, and that'll help other people find it easier as well in searches. So today we did Mothership at the Movies and we did Angels in the Outfield. And I want to start there because, Mraz, I I had never seen this film. I remember the film. I knew the essence of it. California Angels, they've got help from angels, actual angels to win baseball games. But I never actually saw it. I was stunned to a news at how many stars are in this film before their stars. I mean, Danny Glover is the A-list actor who's the manager. Tony Danza, who is famous but didn't have really a, a, a film career, is the veteran pitcher. But Christopher Lloyd is the wacky angel guy. And yep. then how about all these guys before they're famous – You've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the kid before Third Rock and a lot of other stuff that he did. And then you have Adrian Brody as Danny Hemmerling well before he did anything famous. And Matthew McConaughey's in this as well, well before he did anything. This was, I think, before Days and Confused as well. I think Days and Confused was like 95 and this was 94 or something. So you've got just a heavy hitter film with a lot of big time celebrities even before they were big time. Yeah, this is probably the most star-studded kid sports film of all time, if we're going to fit that into a category. And they definitely got guys on the cheap. Like, if this movie was made in 1999, they're not getting Matthew McConaughey in his three lines as Ben Williams, the center fielder, to play that role. So it was incredible. And I remember distinctly... Early in pandemic, ESPN was airing, I guess, like Friday night movie night with some like sports movies that the whole family could get into. And this was one of the movies they picked. And I remember that night 
I caught about, let's say, 20 minutes of it or so because my wife just could not have been less interested in watching Angels in the Outfield. And a lot of people were tweeting about it going, can you believe this cast in Angels in the Outfield? So I was excited to really sick my teeth in and rewatch it in full again, knowing that we were doing it for Mothership at the movies. And you right, you watch that cast, and you're like, this is incredible that this many people were in this movie. And poor little JP, I end up looking up, basically did nothing after. Is that Yeah, that's right. He doesn't even really have an IMDb profile. He did nothing. He's... He's the younger foster kid to yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's really good in it. Can you believe that in this movie, Adrian Brody is a nobody? I mean, he's basically a utility infielder that can't hit that has, like again, like five lines the entire film. Five years after this film, he wins an Oscar for The Pianist, the best actor in Hollywood. He wins an award, an Oscar, five years after he has absolutely no role in Angels in the Outfield, essentially. Yeah, he's a pinch hitter that basically does nothing. He was hammerling, I believe, and that was basically it. He was really popular in The Village about 10 years later as well. He was, I believe, the young, I could be wrong, the youngest to ever win the Best Actor at the Academy Award. I might be wrong about that. But yeah, again, just completely unbelievable. Um, and look... To nail that kind of staff and to nail that kind, and that's kind of funny you bring that up, Brody could easily be a middle infielder starting on the team if we were going to equate baseball stars to their actually acting shticks, but instead he's a little-known slap-hitting infielder that can just pinch hit and ends up being an actor in a real movie. And I wonder how many of these guys who are in Angels in the Outfield, all these big actors like a Brody, like a Makane, look back and go, what the heck were we doing filming that movie? I can't believe we were all in that movie together. They got to be yeah. almost insulted they were a part of it, right? Well, it, it is. I, I did think about that. Like, Adrian Brody wins an Oscar, and I was wrong. He won it in 02, not 99. So this is about, let's see, eight years after Angels in the Outfield. But Adrian Brody, you know, is a struggling actor. When he finally gets the role in Angel in the Outfield, he's probably thinking, man, Disney film, this is good. I've got a role. I'm a young guy in my early 20s. McConaughey's probably thinking the same thing. And now, in retrospect, they probably laugh at that time in their lives, that movie. But they're A-listers in Hollywood. There must be, I would I would hope this, in my imagination, this funny common bond of, yeah, remember Angels in the Outfield? Like when they go to the Oscars or they see each right. other at the Golden Globes or something? Because when you look at like their trajectory, this was basically the last minute before they were famous. Because... Right. Brody by 99 is doing, well, let's see, when was Angel of the Outfield is 94, and when was Dazed and Confused? Dazed and Confused, I bet you was 96. And I don't see it on his IMDb, so I'd have to go back and look at this. But he does a thin red line by 98, Summer of Sam by 99, and The Pianist by 2002. By then, he is a legit star star. Then he's in King Kong after that. So, like, this is his last gasp before being famous. And the same thing with, you know, Matthew McConaughey. So, By the way, Days to Confuse, 93, D.A. Oh, so Days to Confuse preceded Angels in the Outfield. Which is so puzzling. Unless, the only thing I can think of is maybe Angels in the Outfield, at the time of filming, filmed before Days to Confuse blew up. Right. Therefore, Matthew McConaughey stardom while filming Angels in the Outfield and they already had him in that role wouldn't have made sense and added up, if that makes sense. Or that maybe as Matthew McConaughey got more and more famous, his Days and Confused role became more and more iconic. 
But I don't okay, know. That could it, be. It does feel like that's a way bigger role than than Williams in Angels of the Outfield. So it would seem weird unless Days and Confused was a really small budget film. I'm not sure. But inside the plot of, of Angels of the Outfield, is it not bizarre that, number one, again, the White Sox are made to be this big, bad team? Why do we see all of these sports films in the 90s use the White Sox as, like, the bullies when they never won anything? Very odd. I don't know. I mean, could was was being Jordan on the Bulls and and the White Sox being in that city was that influential at all? What is I, going on, by the way, with Eli? Oh, you could hear you could hear Eli. Yeah, I, I he's couldn't going hear him in my headphones, so my mic was picking him up. I'll tell you exactly what I assume is happening. Uh, Danielle, as I guess we'll just talk about this on air. Danielle is in the office today, which means it's wild card day. Today, my sister is watching the baby okay. upstairs. So, of course, she's probably treating it like a zoo. And because of all the power outages due to the storm, my cousin Chris was coming by here, scheduled to come around 10 to work from my house at some point today. So my assumption <laughs> is because my sister has no freaking control over the dog. Uh, and there is, I, I do have where my cousin Chris is here, that that is what has gone on in this circus tent of a house. Because at least when my wife's here, she has some freaking control over this place mm-hmm. because I don't have any control. And if I'm asking anybody else in my family mm-hmm. to have control, they certainly will not. But I apologize for that. As you know, you've met Eli. He's a bit rambunctious. Yep. And I didn't realize in my headphones that the mic was picking up Eli all the way up the stairs. So there we have it. So just go back to the White Sox thing. I don't... <laughs> Is it Major League where they're really good? Yes. Okay. Major League, they're, uh, yeah, they're the Indians. But that's also understandable. It's the Indians' big rival as well. Oh, okay, so I, right. So that would make sense. Yes, they are. Ap- that's where Parker, uh, what's his face, the big player, Parker yeah. something. Yeah. He plays for the White Sox. Jack yeah, Parker. So, but the, Jack Parker. The White Sox don't even really truly get good in real life until we see them in that random World Series with the Astros. In the yeah. early 2000s, 2005 or whatever that was. So to think of them as a great villain team in the 90s. I wonder if there's something with just like if you're the Braves, you're the Yankees, I guess earlier the Blue Jays. If it just doesn't make sense for you to get involved in the fairy tale movie world mm. of your team being really good. Like if you're a, if maybe movie directors come to these teams, maybe it's these teams that stink, haven't won a lot. That they figure maybe it's good for merchandising and attention. Maybe this is a way to garner fans, like the Cleveland Indians getting the fans before they became really good in the '90s with Major League. I wonder yeah. if that has something to do with it. Because I was almost wondering if Jerry Reinsdorf was was a movie producer or he was part of Disney or something because this was a Disney film where it just seemed very arbitrary that the Chicago White Sox and Major League were the big bad White Sox and then the Angels in the outfield, the big bad White Sox, when I'm pretty sure at that point in time they won one AL West and didn't get to the (laughs) World Series and they had been pretty bad throughout the 80s. So, well. I'm I, I just on that note, not to get too inside I wonder whose call it is because obviously we've seen movies, and I'm sure we'll get to like any given Sunday and stuff where they don't use like NFL rights. Uh, and a lot of those times in the NFL movies. But Major League Baseball seemed very open to, in all of these movies, using their real teams and real jerseys. It's not like we're making up teams in New Mexico right. for the movie Ed. So it seems like Major League Baseball signs off. But I wonder if the individual teams have to sign off. Like, hey, you know, what teams will allow us to use their stuff here? And then maybe yeah. you're just signing off on movies. And the White Sox yep. were at the top of that list going, yes, please, let's be a part of it. 
The background on this film is that two young foster kids, probably ages 7 and 10 or 8 and 10, love the California Angels. They grow up outside of the stadium or they're living in a foster home outside of the stadium together. And they go to games. It's weird because in one on the one hand, you're like, oh, foster kids don't have a lot of money to go to games. They climb up into a tree to watch it. Then the next game, they're at the game and like nice bleacher seats, like five rows from the field. So I don't know. But then it's bleacher seats and they show the ticket and it says like six bucks. So I guess foster kids could probably afford the six dollar tickets. Anyway, you know, they're big fans. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Roger, is seeing his dad basically pull away and say, I'm not going to be around anymore. We're not going to have a family. And then he says, well, when can we have a family? And basically his dad says, yeah, when the Angels win the pennant, offhandedly, knowing that the Angels can't win the pennant because they're 14 games, losing streak, and at the bottom of the basement of the, the AL West. So then he prays to the Angels to help the California Angels win baseball games to basically bring his dad back, when in reality his dad's never coming back. He doesn't want any part of Roger. So there's this kind of sad underbelly to this of no matter how good the Angels are, it doesn't matter. He's still not coming back in your life, Roger. So we then Raj. have the, the Angels <laughs> helping, helping the California Angels win baseball games. Now here's my plot question to you. What ends up happening is the Angels win the pennant, as you might imagine, but Dad doesn't come back to get Roger. However, Danny Glover, the manager of the Angels, says, I'm adopting you. And so, happy ending, Roger Knox adopts, or George Knox adopts Roger and his little buddy, JR, as well. So that's great. JP. JP. They're both going to be adopted by George Knox. But why do you think that Roger can see the Angels, but JP can't? Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. The Angels are mythological creatures that are that have some real tendencies and maybe come from the past. If we try to get real religious and deep here, my assumption would be in Angels in the outfield that they don't want to be seen by everybody, so they come for very special occasions. And it was Roger who wished for something magical to happen with the Angels, and his wish and praying was granted by the Angels. So JP didn't pray for that. So why would they come? It's not like they show up to a party, knock with a case of Bud Light, and go, we're here to play beer pong, DA. They're only going to come and be envisioned by those who wish for them, even though they're helping others. It just felt like you're keeping JP on the outside the entire movie, and it's kind of torturing him because uh, poor kid. He, he feels bad that he can't see the Angels. He can't help George Knox. When Roger runs away, or is oh no, he, he goes to see his dad, and he's not available at the game. George Knox is like, what do I do now? Because I need Roger to tell me what the Angels tell me to do. JP can't see the Angels. So it just felt like, why keep JP on the outside? Let both kids see the Angels. What's the big deal? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to answer this question. I will say I felt terrible for JP in that spot because Knox wants to wring his neck when he's looking at him going, do you see anything? And he's just guessing at that point. But, look, JP served the purpose. He was good at distracting the other idiot that was in charge of watching them, squirting the nacho cheese all over, <laughs> uh, you know, making them get him sodas and coffees and all that other stuff. That character was out of the world, too. So, I mean, that, he's an agitator. He's almost like a fourth-line winger in hockey, and that's where he served his purpose. He, that was his purpose in life. It wasn't to actually see the Angels. They worked good in tandem. I know. They're just foster kids, and the younger foster kid who doesn't even have a dad in the picture is the one that can't see the Angels. I mean, throw the kid a bone here, script writers. Here's wait, 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 real quick before you lead on. 
<laughs> it does it does dawn on me though by the end when Maggie's blown the cover off this whole thing about you know well, why don't angels exist or whatever again as you pointed out she somehow must know the same people Schwartz knows that she gets invited to events she has no business being at with a credential because I thought the same thing had she get in but by the end when Mel Clark who again I'm assuming and I hope we get to in just a second <laughs> is pitching here in the ninth on death's doorstep. And they have to lie to him and say there's an angel, even though the angels aren't there to help him, which, by the way, makes no sense. The angels can get him to the game, but somehow then they can't yeah. help him win the game. Again, doesn't make any sense at all. They're, they're choosing what has more integrity and doesn't. But everybody in the stand starts flapping the angel wings with the yeah. players and Roger and JP. You have to wonder, if you're an angel fan <laughs> and you're an angel season ticket holder, the real angels, how does that not catch on? Like, how did we totally, go from that totally. to the rally monkey in Anaheim? Like, yeah. I don't understand why. Yeah. I would think, if, you know, runners on, yeah. wouldn't that be something if you were featured in a movie that, like, all right, Angel fans, get up, and we everybody just starts flapping the wings? I think that would be a really cool rallying cry for the Angels. I want to go back to Foster Mom Maggie, because people might know the not know the Maggie reference. Foster Mom Maggie, who looks over Roger and J.P., randomly shows up to a press conference where George Knox, the manager, is getting fired and has to defend George Knox for being able to see the angel. So how does she get a credential to get in? Nobody knows. And Esmeralda blows the cover off this thing. But, you know, it's a great question. I thought about our friend Adam Rank from the NFL Network. He's the only diehard Angels fan I know. And I wanted to watch this with Adam Rank or have him on the show to ask Adam are there trees that you can climb up to watch an Angels game? What, are there streets around the stadium that you could ride your bike on if you're eight years old? Are there houses where you can see the light to the stadium in the distance? And to your point, do you ever either quote this film when you need a winning streak? Do you ever flap your wings, which became a crowd favorite in the movie, or do they, have, on the Jumbotron, play clips of this movie? Because it's rare. Like, I'm a Mets fan. I don't have a Mets kids movie from the 90s to, to you know, rally around. I guess you have... The Scout with Brandon Frazier. The Scout, right. That was That's a right. terrible movie. Yeah. Terrible movie. That's right. But, like, that what am I going to get? A Scout going to some island in the Caribbean and finding a picture? It wasn't yeah, like we had the big rallying moments. You don't have one either. But you know what? As a Giants fan, like, the Meadowlands should play little Giants clips. So they should, absolutely. Although, when they've been bad, little Giants has really reemerged on Twitter specifically because any time before a game when we're, like, one in five – Everybody has the same GIF tweeted, Giants, uh, Giants, help us, God. So okay, okay. that has be, at least become within the fan base something while they've been bad, right. treating them like they are that. Right. But I got to imagine at, at Ducks games, they must play Mighty Ducks movie clips. You would they think. have to. So but I'd like to know the same thing. Yeah. Why are... I'm just picture, I'm picturing MetLife, by the way. Giants playing the Cowboys for a big game, and, and we get the big <laughs> there's got to be one-time speech, basically admitting we'd lose to Dallas 99 times out of 100. <laughs> So now it takes us to the Tony Danza character, Mel, I want to say Mel Rojas, but it's Mel Clark. Mel Clark, yes. Mel Clark. So he's, he's on the injured reserve. There's a really weird backstory here amongst Danny Glover having age-old rivalries with everybody from his playing days. He, he can't stand the announcer Ranch Wilder because Ranch ended his career 
sliding into home spikes up. And that's why he doesn't like his own play-by-play announcer. Weird that you would take the job when you're <laughs> play-by-play guy that is like an arch nemesis in any of your career. But then he also can't stand Tony Danza, Mel Clark. I don't really know why. that He, he just felt like Mel Clark as a former teammate with the Reds just didn't have any heart. No. No, I believe the way it was structured, DA, was that Mel Clark used to play for Knox on the Reds, and it was Knox who traded him because oh, he didn't have anything left then. Right, right. So that so was we, what he said. He goes, I traded you, never thinking I'd have to deal with you you're again. right. So I think it was just the idea that he thought he was cooked in Cincinnati, so how could he possibly think he has anything left when he gets stuck taking this job? And by the way, Knox, I don't know what happened with the fallout with you and Reds, <laughs> obviously, or how you ended up not there after winning a World Series. Clearly, your temper probably had some part of it. But not for nothing. If Mel Clark is that big a problem to you, then don't take the Angel job. You knew the team stink. You know the rosters stink. And you knew you'd have to use them eventually. Or just trade them in spring training. Yeah. I mean, how many times do these guys get traded to you for cash considerations? Look at Sonny Gray right now with the Reds. He's their ace. The Yankees basically dumped him for a bag of balls. Yeah. Knox doesn't like Mel Clark that much that he basically holds on to him and has him sit and rot. That's a disgrace. Yeah, it's like Al Davis forcing Marcus Allen to the bench just because he doesn't like him and forcing him to rot for a couple right. of years. So finally he's got to turn to Mel Clark because the Angels say it's time for Mel Clark to start. And Mel Clark goes out there and throws just an absolute gem. And now Mel Clark, played by Tony Danza, becomes basically the ace of the staff, the grizzled veteran ace of the staff, leading them to the glory of winning the pennant. But we find out that he's only got seven months to live. Now, I don't know about you, Mraz, but that's so deep into the illness that how can they, how can, does anybody know this? Does he know this? Who knows this? How can they have him on a Major League Baseball roster? So this to me, I don't want to speak in hyperbole. Out of all the movies we've done over 20 weeks, this little nugget you've dropped here, I find to be the most mind-blowing storyline that is just kind of a throwaway line in one of these movies, right? Yeah. So let's just break this down here. He's rehabbing an injury all the while apparently having terminally ill cancer. We find out the Angels have come to check on him on that final game because he's going to be one of them soon because he has six months to live. And they tell Roger this. He, But he makes a point of saying he doesn't know it. Nobody knows it yet. So Roger, a kid, has this information. Now, a kid should never be told somebody's going to die with six months to live. I mean, can Al lie to him there at that point? <laughs> Al playing the the crazy angel that's kind of the right. go-between between Roger and the actual angels. And these angels know this is coming for him, but yet this isn't approached the last two months of the season when Mel Clark's been on this run or him, you know, getting the massage. You would think they'd be helping out Mel Clark a little earlier there. And also, if you're Roger, don't you have to stop the game and alert the masses, get this guy to a hospital to see if there's anything that can be done? You have information that hopefully might be able to save this kid's life. And in the end... What does it matter? Like that, when the writers of this movie came together, that was their excuse for the Angels still being there, even though they couldn't help? Like, it was like, oh, let's just say he's dying. That It really was mind-numbing, <laughs> blowing, and they didn't focus on it. Then everybody's just celebrating the win. Can we go back to the fact that guy has six months to live? Can we get a funeral shot to end the movie? Something? Does George Knox feel guilty? I mean, Mel Clark's dead. He's dead, and he's throwing gems. And if you have six months to live, and you can't breathe, and you've been smoking and chewing and doing all that, I'm sorry. 
There's no way you're throwing nine innings in a game with the pennant on the line. There's no way. It, it brings me back to another sports film. I think it was Ed, the film <laughs> oh, about no. the monkey. When wasn't there some like crazy storyline that they added in that was totally unnecessary? I Him think that there was. Or maybe... the truck. Yeah, Him, but. He... He was rescued, D.A. The whole arc of the storyline was him being traded and stolen. He's rescued, so he should just come back to the team to help them win. But yet they needed to throw the other curveball of Matthew LeBlanc leaving him to freeze in oh, a no, no, no. buttered no, no. banana truck. No, no, no. We did this. If you go back and you listen to the PGP about Ed, we also discussed how, okay, a monkey able to play baseball is a remarkable storyline. Fans would come out for it. That is an incredible storyline. You could build an entire movie around it. You don't also need Matt LeBlanc to throw 160 miles an hour. That is totally right. unnecessary to the actual movie itself as well because that's a different movie that you can right. build around. In this case, Angels helping the California Angels win baseball games because it's going to help a kid find a family is a good enough storyline. You don't also need Tony Danza to be on death's doorstep as well. Right. It's totally unnecessary. And not only is it unnecessary, if you are going to make it a part of the movie, don't have somebody with six months to live who's pitching a gem be a throwaway line that, like, we just say it yeah. and we move on. And also, a kid who's nine years old hears somebody's going to die in six months, and his response is like, ah, all right. I mean, Roger gave you nothing there. He gave you nothing. How do you run? How do you not run and tell everybody to die? Hey, Mel's going to die. We're losing Mel. Get him out of the mound and get him to St. Winthrop's. I mean, what are we, crazy? I don't know. I don't know. This film, it was a cute Disney sports film. Calling it a film, by the way, is doing it a, a little bit of a... It's not exactly Titanic or Braveheart. Dude. <laughs> and, then, and then you have it kind of just go to nowhere. Like, again, we always lament the fact that these movies don't show us what ended up happening. They win the pennant which is the American League West, okay? They, now they've made the playoffs. We don't know what happens in the ALCS. We don't know what happens in the World Series. I find that to be a plot flaw. But it's a, but I'm so used to it. I'm numb to it. We never have a movie that ends in a World Series ever. They always end before it. It makes no sense. It's like watching a Major League Baseball season and they strike before the playoffs. How many times are we going to replay the 94 season in movie form? I've committed. I've seen how the team's gone through, even if it's not a happy ending. Even if they get swept in the ALCS, give it to me. Keep a little postscript. <laughs> even a little director's cut on the DVD. Hey, here's the highlights from the ALCS. Newsflash, they didn't win. I get nothing. I get nothing. We're basically putting Mel Clark on the ground. We've got no idea what's happening in ALCS. Does Bass pitch again? Does he come up with a big start? Does he get rocked? I have no idea what happens. Hammerling, does he ever start again? Does he ever have a big hit? It's just brutal. It's just don't commit and have everybody buy into a team and then not see us have the payoff. Were you like me? Do you wish Mike Trout wore those Angels uniforms? Yes. They're beautiful. They're really they're nice. They're They're sharp. They're clean. And really makes you laugh at the uh, you know the gray navy blue pinstripes with the sleeves angels that came basically right after that. And again, kind of like the Mighty Ducks going away from their jerseys because I hate their jerseys now. Your jerseys are featured in a film in the '90s, and they're kind of cool when you look back. Don't go back to them. Yeah. Wear them. Like why hide from something so sharp and part of your history? Yeah, those, I really liked those when I was in high school. I really liked those, and I thought about buying a California Angels hat because. That was when they rebranded after like the 80s version where it was like the 
angular A mm-hmm. and the little halo around it and the red brim. Like um, They went back to that as well for a little bit. Like a Nolan Ryan Angels or a Reggie Jackson right. Angels. That's what most of the nine or most of the eighties were. Then they rebranded to this in the mid nineties, like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. Those were really cool. There was a little bit of a throwback nostalgia to them. And then they went to, as you said, the Disney Fi. They actually put the cartoon wing on the A. The A was flying away. Powder blue, gray, dark blue, pinstripes. It was just really ugly. And then they eventually rebranded to what they are now, which is just the straight reds. And, you know, they kind of streamlined the A, and then they won the World Series in 02. But I don't know. The, the Angels in the outfield, Angels uniforms, might be their best uniforms ever. I agree. I agree. And we often see that. A lot of these movies, they figure it out with the uh, with the A. They figure it out. But, boy, unbelievable. Another bad movie, DA. So hopefully we rebound here down the stretch. So before uh, we get to side B, I just want to ask you about this uh, Pete the Body rivalry um, because this week <sighs> Pete took a shot at you for being fat. You took a shot at him saying, hey, you're just as heavy as me, if not heavier. Don't take shots at me being fat. Bogish and Bilotti would argue that Bilotti can do that because you play the fat guy and he doesn't mm-hmm. so that he's allowed to make fun of you. But you're saying if you're just as fat as I am, you can't be making fun of me. So right. I was surprised that Bilotti admitted that he thinks that he could be heavier than you. I would be shocked if he was heavier than you. I think he is at least 10 to 15 pounds lighter. Look, I... He, I believe he is. It wouldn't shock me if I was. It's that close. I am not telling you he's got me by 30 pounds. It's that close. And again, I want to stress this. I love Pete. Pete is, is fun to laugh at. He's, you know, he can make me laugh. We've had plenty of jokes. I feel uh, bad. I haven't seen him as much of late, obviously. But that being said, I cannot stand for somebody taking pot shots about something they're guilty of without embracing that back. You know what I mean? Like, I have no problem making fun of people's weight because I know I could take it and we could kind of have fun with it. He wants to do that but then doesn't want to do it back. Now, I was happy he embraced it like that. And he acknowledges, look, Pete, I think, wears it well. Pete really isn't sloppy. Pete knows no. the clothes to wear. No. I, I, You know, I have no problem. Sometimes I wear a tight shirt. The belly comes out. Mm-hmm. The moves hang. Yeah. I fluctuate a lot. I understand mm-hmm. that. I go in and out. Mm-hmm. Pete finds the perfect menswear. You know, we often talk about the khaki pants and dress shoes. Oh, but wait, there's an, a St. Paddy's Day Mets sweatshirt attached. And the whole deal there is Pete's not thick in the thighs. He doesn't have a lot of dump in his trunk. What he does have is basically a mass belly. He kind of has your classic dad bod beer belly, but it's ever-expanding. Uh, and he's a guy who loves a lot of fried oils. But And also what helps Pete, Pete doesn't have the droopy chin. You yeah. see a lot of people, when they lose weight, they lose weight first in the face, but oftentimes the face gets very filled. I think the lack of staring at Pete in the face and seeing, you know, a filled-out chin or double chin helps Pete's, you know, if you will, ire to other people not expecting to be heavy. But when you get down around the main event there, which is the belly, there's a lot happening there. It's a lot going on, um, and it begins to take over a bit, but he buries it well, as I said, in many sweatshirts and many warm-ups. He, he knows how to play the game. I'll give him that. He knows how to play the wardrobe game. He really does. I mean, like I said, I'd be shocked if he was heavier than you because he wears it very comfortably. Nobody at work would ever call him the fat guy. Nobody would ever, 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 ever call him the fat guy. 
And it's because, as you said, he he understands how to wear it. He does not fatten the face. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. There are two kinds of fat guys, DA, those who are embarrassed by it and those who will take on all comers who want to make fun of him at the at the top rope. That is the kind of fat guy I am. He's more of the type that's embarrassed by it, therefore will hide it, not embrace it, never talk about it. And then thus you kind of feel weird not talking about it back. So I get ahead of the fat jokes. He kind of has wished them and willed them away. And that's where we separate, you know. But again, as, as the leader of Chubbo Nation, I would hope that we all come together. And, and if you're big, it's okay. It's okay. Can I ask you how you feel like Canadian Bacon's going your hockey segment uh, once a morning here on the show? Uh, Start of this I week. S- I don't think it's it's perfect. I think there are certain things I, I want to work on. I think the way I word and lead into certain highlights or cuts I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to be funny but serious, so I don't want to be – I'll throw in a couple quips where I'm hoping to maybe get you guys to laugh, but I also don't want the whole thing to be a joke because I do think there it serves a platform for hockey fans excited where they don't want a mockery of their sport. So I think I'm still trying to meld the balance of those two things to make it entertaining while informative and give you kind of the best bites of the day. So, no, it is not a finished product. I hope that it continues to get better and gets better quickly. But I will tell you that it is something I absolutely uh, am excited about doing every day. I mean, it, I'm thinking about it every day. I always think about the show every day, but yesterday – for example, I watched I almost all of the first four games and a lot of the last game before I went to bed. And entire entirety of my mind is I'm weighing four candidates for the goal of the game, the player of the game. So it's it's on my mind. It's reshaping. And I hope that you know everything comes together and it's something that by the end of the regular first round, we are humming along and people are looking forward to. It's not perfect yet, but it's a really good start. I've really, really enjoyed it. I really like the jokes that you've written into it. They made me laugh. I really like how it moves. I like the music. I like the sound of it. I like the highlights. I like that it's quick moving. I think I could do a better job getting you some more time in that segment. To me, the way that I've noticed it, it can time out at about five to six minutes. That's probably all you have to have. But you do need a minimum of five minutes without feeling like it's raced or it's uh, quick and more than it has to be. If I gave you seven to eight minutes, I think it would give it a little bit more breathing room. So I got to be better there. But I think it sounds good. And I feel like I've got what I needed out of the day's hockey. I Now I know what happened that I need to know happened if I'm not watching. I mean, to be honest, I watch a lot more NBA than I watch hockey. And right now I've been watching a lot of the NBA's return. And it's forced me to miss the hockey. But... You know, you're giving it to me in an entertaining, quick-paced form. I like it. I think it's good. And I think even if you don't like hockey, it's a fun It's a fun five and six minutes. Right. And that's the thing. We, You know, I know there's not a lot of people. Well, there there are a lot of people who love hockey that are going to embrace it. And there's people that are probably only tuned in to the NBA and baseball going, ah, oh, more hockey. So that's the goal. Keep everybody with it. Keep you into it. Keep you interested. And maybe it'll capture it. If, I, if by the end of it we've established one more hockey fan on the DA show listeners than we had – and as far as I'm concerned, I, I did a good job. So, I mean, I think we all, if you're in my era of, you know, young 30s, mid-30s, my goal here and what my vision is, is kind of like when ESPN had the NHL and they actually included it in the old sports center before we had videos on Twitter. I kind of want to give you your quick hockey or flying through like it's sports center for five minutes uh, with, you know, that kind of style of joke and highlight and information, who scored, where we're at in series. That's kind of the vision I have molding and as it's gone along here. 
We discussed whether Bogus should toss to you. I think it's worked this way. I think it works when it's separate from the update because I think if Bogues has the update and mentions a couple of scores, then tosses to you and you do more hockey scores, it's redundant. I think him doing an update and including some scores, then you going into like the analysis and the, you know, the fun of it, I think it works as a separate segment. Do you think it works this way or do you think that it should tie into Bogus's update? No, I love it this way because I, I think that Bogus deserves his own space too. And I know Bogus has been pretty courteous of, okay, you're doing this here. I won't play this highlight here. I, I love, you know, having that window. I think, uh, you know, towards the end of an hour is a perfect window to do it to get everybody uh, cooking. So I've had zero issue with that. Uh, you know, something we've talked about behind the scenes. I have one more week off this summer. It happens to be next week. So I just don't want Canadian bacon to, you know, die out after a week's worth of steam. So maybe a bogus or somebody, we'll figure that out, can do that. But even while while I'm off, I think that's something as I'm watching games, I'm going to completely com- continue to think about and try to stay sharp. Who would be my player here? Who would be my goal here? What would I be looking for? I think even while I'm off, that's something because this segment now is built steam. I don't want to lose the steam that I'm going to continue to fire away with. Well, I think we're going to have Connor do it next week. I like it. I think we're going to have Connor do it. I think Connor's quick. I think he's funny. I think he can do it well. And I don't want to put more on Bogus's plate than he already has because he's going to be pulling more weight in terms of a secondary voice of analyzing games because you won't be there. So maybe you want to connect with Connor and just – I told him to listen to all five episodes this week that you do, generate some ideas, but maybe you want to help guide him a little bit next week as well and how we well I, I will out. tell you I will tell you this that's good coaching by you this is good NFL style and coaching for two reasons number one Connor Green has basically become my passing game coordinator of <laughs> this segment and what I mean by that is Connor is the guy because I am working from home that's at the shop with all the highlights that I am in communication with the night before a show and the early morning hours leading into the show beginning with what exactly I'm looking for. Okay, do we have this, this, and this? If you can't get this, here's a backup for this. He's pitching to me certain ideas. I left it up to him on two different sound bites on Wednesday's show. He's I trusted his editorial instinct with playing the Tortorella, which I think was an absolute smash hit. So Connor Green's actually already built for this because the only other person who's had their handprints on this segment, ironically, is not you or Bogues. It's been Connor Green. So I think it's perfect for it. And then honestly, if Connor Green goes out and crushes it while I'm off for a week, well, we all know the boo birds are going to be out for me that following <laughs> Monday and the storylines will write themselves. Am I getting Wally pipped in my own segment? So then it just creates more show drama. These are all master plans. And I understand where I've been here. I, I've been through the, the presses of a Connor Green coming after me. So I think he's going to be good at it. I think he's perfect suited for it because he helps me. But I also need to embrace what's going to come afterwards, what I'm walking into when Connor Green absolutely crushes it. Yeah, we all know that the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town. So once Connor gets in, he gets a few starts and then the established contracted, uh, you know, veteran quarterback comes back uh, off of the injury list. There's going to be a lot of pressure on you. Brutal, brutal. But I'm ready for it. Look, I face the music. I've been here a long time. Veterans know how to handle the pressure. All right. Um, That's side A. Uh, Bogues and Mraz have not only side B, but also Thursday and Friday hosting this week. Is Once again, I'm taking my four-day summer weekend. I think that's my second to last. I got one more after this, and then uh, that's it. I can't believe by next week it's already August the 11th on Monday. August the 10th on Monday is just insane. Crazy. uh, so that's the, where we're at, Thursday and Friday, Bogues and Mraz are in. All right, buddy, uh, take it away, and I'll listen for side B here. 
right, welcome into Side B of the PGP. This is Mraz, host of Side B and the executive producer of the DA Show, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the bogeyman, Andrew. Hello. Oh, hello, Sean. My near roommate this morning. We almost had to spend three, four hours together face-to-face for the first time in months, but my power company has saved me, so I'm very happy to be apart from you this morning in my nice, comfy house. So let's start right there, as Andrew Bogus just alluded to. Look, we had Tropical Storm. I'm going to say this, and I hope I nail it. I tried to nail it on on Tuesday's show. Isaias. Did I get that right, Bogus? Isaias. To be honest... To be honest, I don't know because I couldn't do it myself, and I didn't. I I had I think kind of unofficially say it a couple of times yesterday on local radio, so I didn't even say it because I didn't want to make a, embarrass myself or the company. So I just said the tropical storm. So whatever you're gonna say, aside from acai, which I think you said at one point yesterday, which I know yes. is not right, um, anything else is acceptable to me. So hurricane Isaias, or later became a tropical <laughs> storm as it hit. The I guess we're not the mid-Atlantic. I guess when it hits the northeast region. So we are on yes. Long Island. I mean, and it should just be said, if you were affected by the storm, it, it fastly moved up the east coast. So many without power everywhere from the Carolinas up through New England, that whole region. So obviously we were square in that in the New York area. Originally, original reports, as I play meteorologist here, had it kind of, uh, you know, cupping, if you will, and smashing into Long Island, but it seemed to go more inward and basically level New Jersey with so many problems in the Delaware area, but we still in Long Island got hit pretty hard. Bogus, you scrambled on Tuesday afternoon texting a bunch of us having to do with the show and bosses because your power went out. You were completely done, and it should be noted, I live probably 20 minutes from you. My power didn't so much as flicker. There's not even one tree down in my neighborhood, and uh, you know, DirecTV, you want to talk about, everybody talks about, oh, if you have a satellite dish, goes out of service. Didn't budge once. Didn't miss a second of hockey the entire day. So with that being said, I offered my services. Bogus, listen, you want to come? I can safely have you 10 feet away. As a matter of fact, as I turn my head, I see the table I had ready and set up for you before you finally got your power back. And we were going to have to do this thing. We were going to have to, you know, maybe split bathrooms. There was going to be a lot going on. I was going to be more than accommodating. <laughs> and I got to be honest, for you to say that you dodged one, I mean, I was uh, bed and breakfast pokes. I would have cracked you some eggs. I was going to have some fun yeah. with you. No, that, that, that part would have been fun. The fact that I had literally taken apart my entire computer setup, monitor, keyboard, mouse, microphone, headphones, about 70 different wires, because I didn't know what I, my fear became getting to your house with not my normal setup and then something not working. And I've done all of that work for nothing. So my only thought for safety was to basically bring everything with me. And luckily, my computer is just a monitor. Like, everything is in there. It's not a tower and a monitor. So I was like, you know, I could actually bring this and it wouldn't be too cumbersome. But then all of a sudden, I'm on my hands and knees in the dark last night unplugging things making checklists, I got this, I got that, but that appeared to be the, the the trigger for getting my power back because the second I was done with that and I texted you that I was coming and asking for your address and my wife was packing up my kids to take them to her mom in Queens because they you, in, in New York City we very rarely lose power in, the, in actual right. New York City because all the lines are underground, so they're very rarely damaged out by us. 
poles, wires in the sky, things get knocked down, all hell breaks loose, which would happen by me. But the second we were all ready to go through the night without power, all of a sudden everything just came back on. So, um, and they had told us it was going to be until at least this afternoon, like a full 24 hours, and wow. it was like 8. So a huge thanks to them for fixing it and the universe for at least putting me back you know, fully functioning, even if it kept me from a wonderful romantic morning in your basement. Now, what would have been your biggest fear stepping into the Mraz Dome, as I like to call it down here, and dealing mm. with me for four hours in the morning a few feet apart? Would it be the gashal smells? Would it be the barks of the dog? What would have been the biggest problem to an Andrew Bogish on a Wednesday morning inside here? No, the, my only two concerns were bringing whatever we have in our house to your house and your sweet little daughter. I mean, I would, I would, you know, I, I think we're all good here. We're all passing our tests and being and being helpful. But I didn't want to oh. bring any of our nonsense to your house. And then also too, like, you're done when our show ends. I work for like three and a half more hours after that, so I didn't want to sit in your basement by myself doing updates for Jim Rome and WFAN and WCBS 880 and recording Sports Minutes. So I was trying to see if there was a way for me to like do half a shift or maybe if I got to your house, the power would come back on this morning and then at 10 a.m. I could like run home and reset things up here and finish my shift. So I do have a little bit of a window where I don't do anything technically for a little while. So that was really my, like, the back end of my morning, my day, was the problem. Because that really felt that, like I was imposing on you to house me. Because I really didn't want to go into the city. So my, the choices were, like, not working at all or going to your house and being really annoying. So I'm glad I didn't have to do either one of those things. No, we would have been a comment. I would have been yelling down the stairs, Bogues, I got meatloaf, making some yeah, lunch. Minute what sucks. Do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what you... now, stupid on that note, minute. <laughs> we... We did have a situation where, um, unfortunately, because of the passing of Mo last week, we did not do Mothership at the movie. So fast forward to Wednesday, Angels at in the outfield, something you and I watched a week ago. DA got to on Tuesday. I cannot do a PGP off of Mothership at the movies without asking you again, Bogues, our Siskel and Ebert extraordinaire, the thing you liked the most about Angels in the outfield and the thing you hated the most. Yeah, this one this one didn't age well for me. Um, you know, we've we've watched Rookie of the Year. I've got we watched Little Giants. I've got Little uh, is it Little Big League. Is that what it's called? Where the kid manages the Twins because his grandfather's yes. the owner. Is that what it's called? I've got yes. that one queued up to watch with the kids because right now it's not on our list. Um, so we'll see how we go there. But so the other ones, Little Giants and and Rookie of the Year, were still f and and Sandlot. They're still fun and. Um, entertaining even as an adult. Angels in the Outfield was far too much of a kid's movie, like unbelievable, suspending reality. Um, it's one thing that this one kid sees Angels in the Outfield. Like, I can get my head around that. But, like, the fact that, like, America didn't freak out when things started happening defying logic and physics. Like, no one was like, what's going on here? Like, that seemed to be a little, like, I, that was too that was too big of an ask for me to get through the movie. So, I mean, it's fine, and it's entertaining, but it was definitely near the bottom of my list of what we've watched so far. Yeah, and you know what? I, I have to admit something. Last week when we talked going into this movie, um, I, I, I said something where I said, Basically, what you had a problem with, I kind of thought that nobody else was really seeing except the Angel players, where the balls would stop, but maybe it was only stopping for them, but in real time it wasn't. I thought there was some kind of vortex, uh, but when right. the ball's kicking all over the place. So I understand what you're saying, and maybe I misinterpreted it. 
The only thing I will say where maybe I was wrong is, because I actually went back as a refresher to kind of skim through some of this movie to reset it. The idea that it... I'm, I'm forgetting. Who is the who is Al, the main angel? What is his name, the real actor? He's a very Oh, Christopher actor. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, right, okay. When he basically points his finger and takes an umpire's hat, and the guy is missing his hat, and it's the Al, it's the AL American League hat. If that really did happen in the movie, the umpire is not questioning how his hat flew off his head and ended up somewhere else, and it just vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think, is the biggest disgrace in the movie. We didn't, he could have just came down. I mean, he's an angel. He works for the big man upstairs. He doesn't right, have an MLB shop. He doesn't have an MLB <laughs> shop up there where he could have gotten the American League umpire's hat that he needed to steal. He can't one. just like make one. He can't like just will one into existence and put it on his head on his head right away. Right, right. And now angels are stealing. Now the thieves. I thought angels were supposed to be you know free of sin. <laughs> You're right. That that one did bother me. I'm not gonna lie. It absolutely did bother me. And one thing that DA had touched on, I guess, a couple weeks ago. It is amazing. Oh, yeah, I mean, to a T. Every one of these movies, sports movies that we've done that have involved children or semi-kids movies, every kid has the sob story. Either it's the single parent, the parents have left them, a parent has died. What about the 90s in sports movies did it have to be, okay, we have this idea for a sports movie, but what trauma happened to this kid's life? And now we got Roger yep. basically in foster care. I'm bogus. It's unbelievable you have never had a sports movie come through involving a kid where both kids come from a healthy parental household. It, it's remarkable. Right. To do, so it, I think the moral of the story is you should almost root for a crappy beginning to your life because the only way you can get awesomeness. Like if it's, if it's even just like a borderline run-of-the-mill average upbringing, you got no luck for magic. Like, you need crap, a bad dad, a bad mom, maybe both of them are gone, a disease, something. That opens yeah. you up to see angels or to pitch in the major leagues at 12. Otherwise, you're screwed. It is unbelievable. And, Bogues, that's going to wrap it for Side B. So sorry I missed you this morning. Would have been great to do lunch and watch you do a sports minute, have breakfast <laughs> together, maybe tickle each other during breaks with gloves and masks oh, on. We could have done tickling. it all. We could have done it tickling. all. Now I'm bummed. You can follow Bogish on Twitter. At Andrew Bogish. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. At MarazCBS. Have a great weekend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.